And I think this is giving organisations a little bit of time to take stock, really think, breathe, and think, okay, what will we need when we come out of the other side of this? What does our workforce need to look like? What does our technology need to look like? Um, and how is that going to relate? Hi, my name is Ez Chandra, and on this episode, we're having a chat about getting your business technology ready with Simon Cohen. So Simon, I'm just going to introduce you and a bit about who you are and so the viewers can see um, your experience and so forth. Simon Cohen has, for over 20 years, successfully delivered complex IT projects for leading global organisations and has managed teams spanning from the UK, US, Europe and Asia. Um, with hands-on experience in delivering mission-critical systems, scaling teams and managing IT risks, Simon is passionate in bringing this big company experience to help SMEs and local governments make the right IT decisions, especially in areas such as IT strategy, risk management and cybersecurity. Simon has also been a guest speaker on multiple occasions for the local government professionals, Australia WA. So welcome to the show, Simon. Thanks, Ed. No worries, mate. Um, so we're just going to get started with our first sort of um, discussion points. And it was really around what's happening in the environment at the moment with the business environment and obviously with the impact the virus has had on um, local business economy as well as Australia's business economy. Um, how do you feel that businesses are responding to the current crisis at the moment? Um, well, I think it's a really mixed picture. I mean, obviously, when the uh, situation first kind of um, ballooned uh, in, in, in March, there was almost an instant con contraction. Uh, both of, obviously, the entertainment um, sector, manufacturing, uh, across the board, you know, there was an instant contraction. People were scrabbling to work from home or offices, restaurants, pubs, bars were all closing down. At the same time, um, from the conversations I've been having, there were a number of um, entrepreneurs, business people that were fairly quickly trying to look to, to plot a route ahead and, and not knowing how long this crisis would last for, trying to look at opportunities, um, both internally and also in, in the marketplace as well. In manufacturing, um, what I've noticed is that some manufacturers are taking it as an opportunity to really look at, you know, things like stock levels and, uh, and what have you. And yes, where they've got people working from home and where technology allows them, they can. But obviously, for large parts of manufacturing, they need to work in a plant and it depends on the rules or, in, you know, they need warehousing, they need, they need supply chain. And it depends on a number of factors that, that they can um, manage to be able to, to actually keep going. I know one uh, organization that, you know, told me overnight that it's going to lose 30% of its business and is more concerned around the people rather than obviously technology and thinking too far ahead. They can only think ahead maybe a day, uh, a week, uh, you know, at best, and that can change very rapidly. Other organizations where there's a need and maybe there's an essential need, they're doing really, really well. Um, so it, it is very different. It depends on the, the individual business. But what is common? throughout the the organizations is yes okay te technology is important but so are the people and the business knowledge and the relationships and um and how you treat your clients how you treat your suppliers 
um, is really is really important in the planning that that's going on the businesses that will be looking after their staff in the right way will be the ones that will have the better opportunity because there'll be that relationship will be that bond there'll be that kind of trust there yeah i think um you're you're bang on there and i think it's interesting because um although we're sort of um, a lot of people are moving to work from home um we are sort of moving into an environment where we have to actually be more connected to people versus um retracting and just um hiding away so to speak so we actually do have to engage with our clients we actually have to really connect and see how people are going and see how our staff are coping and not just from a productivity and output level but from an, an, a personal and emotional level as well um and i think it's it's good that we've got technology like zoom um um, a phone call is good, you know, everyone can do, still do phone calls, but I think Zoom is great because you can, you can experience that expression of what people are feeling and um, still keep, keep connected in a way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you're bang on on that. And, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how certain businesses combat that in the next um, coming weeks to a month ahead. Um, so the other thing is um, how, how do you feel about because um, you could have sort of seeing a lot of businesses expand operations during this time or use this opportunity to to plan ahead. Um, but then there's obviously businesses like restaurants and some of them are shutting down and, and contracting and cutting costs and um, letting go of staff and stuff like that. So obviously different industries are different, but what's your thoughts on that, you know, that contraction versus opportunity? Yeah, typically organisations aren't, aren't specifically hiring it's about keeping the people that they've got but it's about repurposing uh, i suppose the capacity in the organization so improving uh, the good uh, of the organization improving yeah. efficiency that's what you're saying yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. I, 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 and taking on the jobs that have been put to the back burner for, for a little while and um, investing in a little bit of training but it's also a good time to take stock and actually to look at um what clients need yeah. Um, and sometimes you're so busy doing some work that you're not actually kind of really thinking ahead. And I think this is giving organizations a little bit of time to take stock, really think, breathe and think, OK, what will we need when we come out of the other side of this? What does our workforce need to look like? What does our technology need to look like? Um, and how is that going to relate? And, you know, your example, Zoom, is is a great one. Um, there's, you know, with what this technology brings, it, 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 I mean, obviously, video conferencing has been around for a while but it really kind of means that people are getting used to it it's becoming the new norm and that will probably change the way that people work and and and, and collaborate coming out of this and it's how we leverage and use those kind of opportunities and the relationship that we have the club you know how people collaborate within the workplace i think that's yeah. going to be interesting I mean, we'll, I mean even for us um we found that um you know if, if we probably you know before this whole pandemic if we had uh, you know, said to a client, even if they were local and they couldn't make it to a meeting or something, we'd say, look, let's just do this over a web conference. It would have just been a weird conversation, sort of. Um, but it's obviously a lot more acceptable now. And um, it's, it's fascinating. We're, we're, we're pitching business, um, you know, uh, over Zoom. And, yeah. uh, and people are really to totally cool with it and totally happy with um, doing business over Zoom. So, yeah, you're totally, I, I reckon it's, Kind of, I kind of compare it to when, um, you know, the mobiles were still coming into into society, and people started using mobile phones and um, kind of looking at this technology and going, "What's, you know, why do we need it, and why do I need to text people and stuff like that?" And then all of a sudden, it just, um, you know, penetrated um, society, and then everyone started using it. And I kind of feel like um, 
that's what's happening now is that, you know, we've, unfortunately it's taken a pandemic, but like it's forced everyone to use um, Zoom or web conferencing to, to continue to see each other and everyone's totally accepted about the situation. So, yeah, I think it's um, totally changed things for, for the future for business. Um, yeah, and I, I, and I think that's going to be particularly interesting for WA because one of the things I've noticed, I've only been in, in WA uh, just over a couple of years now, and one of the things that I found quite interesting is the culture uh, in a number of organisations, Not obviously not all, um, but it was the kind of thing, if you're not in the office, you're not, you're not working kind of thing. Homeworking was very much more, I suppose, frowned upon on untrusted over here. Um, compared to organisations that are, you know, typically within the UK and 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 Europe, where working from home is is more of a commonplace thing and is accepted as part of a work life balance and what have you. And I've, I've you know been in a couple of organisations here where that was less accepted. And um, you know, I I think that uh, this change will maybe rebalance that or or change that kind of mentality. It is a, it is an old mentality, and I think. Um there are probably, um, it's, a, it's a generational thing and I think certain leaders and um, business owners like to visually see what their staff are doing and, and, and actually see the output and then kind of like feel like they're getting value um, yeah. from that. But I think, um, you know, we're, we're definitely, as a technology-based agency, uh, we're definitely more um, aware of, the fact that you know when people are working from home, they actually can be just as productive because they're not being distracted by the phone calls and the interruptions in the office, and they can. I mean, my I for one can see that my staff are actually a lot more productive working from home, um, yeah. and they're really more able to focus on what they need to do, um, yeah. and, and they're ahead. They're ahead of things. So yeah. you know, I, I'd be interested to see how um, we move forward um, after this and whether we adopt like a working from home culture or that sort of a thing. Um, I think you touched on it there, it, it is, is the trust factor. If you, if you have an organization where you have a high degree of trust in your people, your people then feel empowered. More often than not, if you've got the right people, they will feel a responsibility to not, let, not, to not break that trust and, yeah. uh, and to reward it. And I've spoken to so many people who have said, look, I just love the fact I can, yeah, don't have that, that commute to get in, uh, or, or what have you and whether that's 20 minutes half an hour 40 minutes it's still time back that people get that just takes the pressure off the the working day and yes okay for people like myself who've got children and what have you you know um it's i suppose not having to run around with you know, kids clubs of various sorts and sports and things like that has obviously taken pressure off as well um but i know for a lot of people that they've found that they've been able to focus more on work because they've been not having to rush around and, and multitask with so many different things as well. Um, and so I absolutely agree. It'd be interesting to see how that evolves coming out, out of the, the other side of this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think um, definitely you're right with the efficiency um, and, you know, just getting a lot more things done in the day. It's almost like you can fit more meetings in because, yeah. um, because you're spending less time going backwards and forwards and in between. Um, and rushing around so I think people are more relaxed and I, I'm actually thinking in terms of the agency of integrating a, a work from home day either once a week or once a fortnight where people can just use that opportunity to catch up and work from home um, and just have that flexibility so I'm actually thinking about that once we get back into normality yeah 
So, look, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, going back to our topic around, um, you know, contraction versus opportunity and planning ahead, um, do you find that there's certain businesses that are doing, are doing this uh, a little bit more? And, and if so, why? Like, why are they looking at this as an opportunity to plan ahead specifically? Yeah, it, yeah, it's a really good question. So to give you um, an example, um, if you look at the insurance industry, um, I know of a couple of businesses in, um, in Perth are um, looking at changing systems, uh, improving the way that their business process is, is, um, is articulated through technology. Um, and so they're kind of taking this opportunity to actually roll out a new system. But one of the th- other things to touch on as well is around the culture that in order to keep clients, especially where you can, is having that service delivery culture, that, that kind of culture of excellence, being able to do more and do it better. And what will probably happen is in every industry, uh, given that, you know, I suppose the pandemic has come and shaken the whole economy and shaken industries some more, more than others, is the ones that come out will need to keep their customers. And the customers will be choosy around, you know, maybe unlimited budgets or they want better value for the money or what have you. It's around how you deliver to those clients and anything you can do within your business to help. And whether that's actually looking at the technology or looking at the people, that needs to result in, result in serving clients and, and delivering value. To, to clients and one of the words I've, I've heard a lot when the conversation had is making sure that we actually can show the clients that we're delivering value or maybe before that they have been but not really kind of showing it so the clients not appreciated it so sometimes going that extra mile and making sure that you have the wherewithal and the tools in, in place to be able to to do that and to yeah. show that you've got better and more more efficient service delivery yeah. moving forward i think they're the kind of key things that i'm seeing as well in, in, yeah. in a number of those different industries. and it's interesting because i mean you, we know you're a technology-based um, um organization so i think for us as well because we're we're in the marketing space but we are also very similar in in, in the what we do because we help um improve business systems from a marketing tech tech type um, scenario um and I, i'm seeing the same things as well i'm seeing you know, yours, you're talking about service delivery culture and improving that and efficiencies in, yeah. in from a technology perspective. And we're seeing that from, from a marketing perspective as well. For example, um, we, we had a client approach us who sells, um, you know, uh, garage doors and roller doors um, across WA. And um, we're sort of seeing that he's using this opportunity because he knows his um, front-end customer, front-end website, and experience of um, looking at his products and understanding what his products are about and allowing people to navigate through those products is, is, is really like something that needs to be updated. And then post coming out all of this, um, he wants an experience where people can go online, look at the different colours, the different formats, yeah. the different products, um, the types of ways that people can use roller shutters throughout their house and, and through their garages. Um, and just have that online experience a lot more easier for them to, to convert and to to make an inquiry. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that opportunity is really about using this as a catalyst to try and really improve that communications and kind of streamline things a little bit better so that when things come back on, um, people can just go to your website, go to your business and just... Um, convert a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and two other examples of that. One is estate agents. And I've got another one in terms of um, jewellery shops. 
to estate agents uh, both over here and and in the UK very much around virtual tours um, and I remember seeing virtual tours just kind of hit the market you know years ago and then they were never really used it's all it's more been around the estate agent wanting that face-to-face contact trying to kind of you know get you to whatever it is buy the house sell the house rent the house whatever and um, but now you know the conversations that i've been having with with a couple um from my own personal circumstances as well is are we you know we're trying not to we're trying to limit the human contact go to the website you know look at the virtual 3d virtual tour um, and then make your decision based on 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 that so that's going to potentially change how estate agents move coming forward yes okay there'll always be the there needs to be some kind of human interaction but it's going to it but it's limited jewelry shop uh, that i was um uh had a transaction with shut down could complete the chain of them actually a well-known chain completely shut down and um i can't get hold of them at, at the moment they're reopening i think on the 28th but they're also updating their their website because their website's just there this is where we are and this is you know what we do it's yeah. nothing about it's nothing they can't purchase anything online and they realize that actually they need to change very very quickly yeah. um uh, and i'm you know i'm sure they could do with your services as well to to, <laughs> to promote that that yeah. um that website once they've got it built so you know it, it, in that space it's yeah i can it completely imagine that that it's changing for you as well you know yeah another example is, uh we've got a a, a law firm that we um, work with and they have um, used this opportunity to streamline the process from that inquiry through to booking a booking a session with a with a lawyer. So traditionally, yeah. you would call, um, maybe have an initial discussion over the phone, and then come in for an in, for a for a meeting, a face to face meeting to like a consultation. Um, yeah. But now, what we've done is set up um, a funnel so that basically people can book book a lawyer in using Acuity Schedule. And then book a, a Zoom call straight away. Nice. Um, and and they can choose. You know, the customer can choose the time and day of when they want to meet the lawyer, depending on their availability as well. Yeah. Or it's all up on the calendar. So you're kind of like you know really speeding up the process, and it's actually much easier for people to book. So that's another example of you know a business using this as an that's great. To stream that's great. Processes. Yeah. So yeah, look. Um, I think it's it's pretty clear that you know there's heaps of opportunities, especially from a technology perspective and a marketing comms perspective, on how people can improve um, and and use this as as a way to try and improve business and customer experience efficiencies. Um, the other thing is on the the, the other side of it, which is the uh, cybersecurity aspect of it, which is the threats. <laughs> um, obviously, we've seen a few things on the news. We've seen like um, news around security issues around Zoom, and I think even the US government's had a barrage of cyber threats from t- the tax office and so forth. People um, just using this as an opportunity for fraud. Um, how do you what what are your sort of thoughts on it and where where's things going in terms of restrictions um i well i suppose if you look at the the type of restrictions that we have in place things like data breach notification and privacy policies and 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 so forth they haven't gone away and um, no one has you know uh, said okay because of the pandemic we're going to re- you know reduce all all criteria for reporting data breaches and things like that so those things are still in place obviously they're not you know whereas pretty much you know every week there was a new data breach somewhere or someone had lost data or or whatever we're not hearing about those now because obviously um it's all it, it's all about the pandemic and rightly so um 
but I think it's it's um, important for businesses to understand that you know the level of protection that they still need around their data um, and their documentation. It, you know, is is still absolutely necessary. And so you make the point around Zoom very well. I mean, Zoom have been scrabbling, I think, under pressure from the the U.S. government amongst others to improve security. And you know, I, I'm sure, like everyone else, has, you know, I've, I've noticed the, the kind of the patches and the updates and the slight little tweaks that they're making here and there to improve, which is great. Probably a little bit uh, overdue, one would say. But but you know, at, at least they're they're playing catch up with the pressure. But I think it's around the decisions that that organisations make around what they do with with their data. So obviously, if you're in an office, your tools, your systems. I mean, yes, okay, there's lots of people who'll be on Office 365 and various cloud tools and platforms and and, and what have you. And um, my fear is is that people will um, believe that because they're on a cloud system, that actually it's all protected because the cloud provider will be backing up their data, that everything's cool and and we don't need to worry. And typically that's not the case because if you relax your own internal kind of governance and, and your own internal policies and procedures around what you do and how you protect data, then you don't necessarily enforce it. So, so I think there's, there's, there's risk there. I also think, you know, even in the last couple of days, um, talking around the app that um, the government wants to introduce, so therefore yeah. if you're out and about, you know, and all the privacy concerns around that. So not that... Uh, I want to be political anyway, but I just find it interesting that the decision that they've made is to use AWS um, for storing their data, which uh, whilst, you know, everyone's saying it's going to be ring-fenced and what have you, theoretically, um, that data opens up to the US federal agencies um, if, if they actually subpoena it and, and, and kind of warrant it. And also, if, I, if what I've read is true, um, then in terms of in encryption uh, encrypting that data you normally have an encryption key and uh, and you know private kind of public key and they're storing both the keys together which is an un unnecessary security vulnerability risk so um some of the decisions that are being made uh, it'd be interesting to know some of the reasons behind that and why you know some of them not being thought through i don't understand for argument's sake why that kind of data can't reside within um, an australian based hosted data center so i just find that a little strange but that's on on the kind of wider level on yeah. the on, on the smaller level on the micro level on uh, individual organizational level i think it's really around making sure that your people um, and your culture is there that you have a culture of security that your people are aware of what good practices and what have you that you have the right tooling that that can at least identify um uh, security threats yeah. And yes, okay, there's lots of endpoint security and there's lots of tools and platforms that, that, that you know that can help that from a network down to an application down to to data. But you know, I'm working with a, a company that's that, that's um, that's specialist in in this area, and you know they have tools that actually secure the data, whether it's at rest or in transit, um, and secure the individual elements of of data. And if you secure the individual elements. Like almost, if you like, like almost attacking a virus, you attack the, the bits of the individual cells, you protect or attach something to the individual cells. You can actually dictate what what happens, and um, and so that's what we that's what they're doing with with data, and they've got some really interesting results with with banks and 
and what have you. So for argument's sake, you could have an app and put your payment details in or your TFN details and, and, and almost the, the, the platform itself wouldn't know the data that, that you're putting in because it's all encrypted and, yeah, and, okay. and, and, yeah, and yeah. transferred through. So there's things like that that I think not every organization needs it, not every organization will want it, but it, it's, being, it's being mindful of the fact that you, with everything that's going on, security, privacy concerns haven't gone away. And actually what we were talking about before in terms of service delivery culture and excellence and what have you, you know, it's important that as part of delivering to customers that you're actually, whether they're business customers or, you know, B2C, B2B, it's really important that you have the right security measures and controls in place. Yeah. Um, so um, that leads on to our next question, which is how, how do we manage um, remote teams? Like, especially if you're a business leader, um, I guess everyone's, you know, already doing this now and they've moved, moved um, light speeds ahead. Um, but in terms of like best practices and, and things like that and what, what businesses can look out for in terms of managing for remote teams. Um, well, I think it's important to obviously make sure the lines of communication are there. I mean, you know, working at home and yes, we, you know, people can communicate, but how often are business leaders or line managers communicating with their staff? Yeah. I know that a number of organizations are having, you know, pretty much daily uh, kind of check-in calls and, you know, and it's not really to talk about work. It's just to make sure everyone's okay. Yeah. I think, um, uh, you know, what you're, what you're saying in regards to the connection, but I, I try from a, from a leadership perspective, I try and make myself available uh, as, as much as I can. Um, and that may seem daunting to a lot of um business owners and CEOs, but uh, I feel like this is the time to step up and to yeah. op open the communication even more. I mean, we've got chat, chat, um, you know, like Slack, we use Slack yeah. as a team, um, but we also have our project management tool, which um, allows the team to tag people in and send notifications and for specific tasks. Um, and then you've got email as well. And sometimes people text you and, and some, some of my staff, uh, use WhatsApp to do um, to to contact me and Messenger and stuff like that. So really, I've got about you know eight or different type of communication tools, um, and I know that's a lot. It's quite excessive, but I try and see it as an opportunity to make myself as accessible as possible as a CEO, and also to reduce the friction. Yeah, like any any opportunity to reduce friction. Um, I'm, I'm available and, it, and yeah. I think it makes them feel like they can connect to me, they can ask me questions whenever they need to um, and I'm not going to be, I'm not hard to get, you know, I'm not sort of hiding away yeah. and, yeah, they're not disturbing me or that sort of stuff. So I think if we can allow this time as leaders to, like, open up our communications even more, uh, I think that's the way we should go, yeah. Do you think that um, obviously with, with everything that's going now, that's a lot of these organisations that have been very weary about um, sharing their data on the cloud, they're going to be a bit more open to um, moving data from on-premises? Do you think that's a bit of a change in the business culture? I think they will, um, and I think they already are. Um, it, but what I think may be missing, coming back to what we talked about before with security, is maybe thinking around how do they secure that and what do we need yeah. to change? in terms of our culture to make sure that okay great that we've all got passwords for our cloud apps but how are you securing those passwords or what how are you connecting you know are you connecting through your wi-fi network at home that your child's 
downloading torrents on or something like that. You know, think you know, it, and it's those kind of things where people need training and 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 guidance because they just might not know or might not appreciate it. And from company policy, should companies have policies that you know um, uh, preclude company activity, corporate activity on home wireless networks, or do people need to get a separate network, or how do they protect that, or whatever? Um, and and the answer to all of that is it just depends. I guess that goes on to my next sort of question, which is around, you know, uh, this whole change in working from home mentality. We did sort of touch on it before. But, you know, where do you think the future lies for teams, um, you know, and, and scenarios beyond the lockdowns? Um, where, where do you think um, the, the work from home mentality is going to go and, and how do you think uh, companies and organisations are going to evolve over time? I suppose the downsides are that it can cause isolation and loneliness. Um, some, you know, some people like to just be in their own little zone and um, uh, and, and work from home and feel as though they're far more productive. You know, don't disturb. I'll check in when I need to check in, but I'm 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 getting on with things. And you know, it's maybe if you're relying on tools that aren't effective anymore for what you need them to do, and you've been using these things because you've been in an office, or, or for instance, organisations that you know um, are agile and uh, write on whiteboards and things like that, and have a, a, a lot of stuff there. Well, you can't take the whiteboard, so I guess you can take pictures. So you need different tools other than a whiteboard that you normally write on, or you know, it's so things like that. It's changing the tools, maybe moving away from. Excel spreadsheets. If there's, a, if an organisation has lots of those and people are managing those individually, you need kind of different tools where you can collaborate. You can all just look at the same data quite quickly. And yes, you can look at spreadsheets, but it depends how they're being used with other systems as well. I think the the word that you used was really spot on, which is agility. Um, I think that's that's the evolution of things moving forward. I think. If you're a company that's a little bit less agile, a bit more structured in terms of you can only work this way, you can only work in this office and stuff like that, moving forward, you're going to have to be a bit more agile and flexible so that, you know, if we do get a second wave of infections, um, if something happens to the economy, you can still operate, you know, you can still, it's business as usual. So we have to, I think, as business owners, really adapt and look at ways that we can keep business operating regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's happening in the economy. So I think that's, that's going to be the agility aspect of, of what you're saying um, moving forward. And, and look, I, I for one really enjoy um, having, having um, the office and having the agency together, having people together. I think that's still going to be important as well. But then being able to pivot from working from home to working within an office environment is going to be the critical factor moving forward. Um, but from a cultural perspective, you really need to have your team together. You, you know, it's it's from from my perspective, I think it's great for culture to have your team working together um, on an ongoing basis and touching base and 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 building that culture for you know if you do hire future staff or if you grow, um, you know, you you can sort of see the shape. And the environment of your culture moving forward so that's still important yeah absolutely agree i mean people respond to people and and when you're working on something and uh, you know i can imagine you know in, in terms of the work that, that you do but generally where you have teams and um, when teams are performing work or are trying to achieve something or implement a project or, or what have you there's typically difficult periods of time you know where you may be late or behind or there's a problem or what have you and it's about how you deal with those problems 
um, and it, and it's much easier to deal with problems if people pull in the same direction. And if you have that team and you have that camaraderie and you have that culture, it 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 just helps. Yeah. Um, if people constantly work from home, as great as what it is to get maybe tasks done or things, you know, individual things done, it doesn't necessarily, or it's more difficult um, to build that type of team culture. I mean, especially if you if you if you never meet. Um, I mean, on saying that, like I think still Zoom has pulled down a lot of those barriers and web conferencing tools because, you know, from my perspective, I can, you know, I'm actually quite excited because we, we, we have business um, over in the East Coast. We're also picking up business in, in South Australia and different states. Um, and, it's, and we probably wouldn't have been able to before, you know what I mean? Especially in Australia, we're probably a little bit backwards from, in comparison to the UK. But I think that it's because of the web conferencing, it's because of that exposure of, okay, there's people on the other line, other side of the line and they have faces and they have expressions and we can create a relationship here and we don't need to be face-to-face. Um, I think it's quite exciting because it, um, for me, um, pulls down a lot of barriers and we can actually do business a lot easier. We don't have to fly, I don't have to jump on a plane and physically fly to another city um, and sit down in front of someone and, you know, and do business, we can do it all online. Um, and what you're talking about there is, uh, you know, kind of like onboarding new clients and, uh, and what have you and making those kind of decisions. Um, from, over, a, from a new business perspective, correct. From a new business perspective. And, and those um, clients are, you know, they understand the fact that Zoom is the way forward. There, and they, they have lowered their threshold, their tolerance of threshold in terms of what's expected in order to, to make a, a decision. Whereas, you know, they may previously have thought okay i want to meet the person i want you know i want to make sure that we have that connection or, or whatever it is as part of the buying decision that, that they've lowered that barrier now so they don't necessarily need to tick that box they understand that that's not possible so that's, so that's fine that's still slightly different though from working in a uh, or having a team that needs to deliver a common output or where there may be a challenge and yeah, having that kind of yep. uh, having that kind of camaraderie that kind of gets you through um and i, I and so, yes, you know, that's where the differences will, in my view anyway, uh, will... No, I think you're spot on. I think from a new business perspective, it's probably going to increase the speed in which new business gets done because you, you don't need to wait till you're physically free and that yeah, free agree. to come together. You can just do a call and within a week you could do a deal, for example. Um, uh, and, and, that's, and you're not really meeting with these people all the time. You're just... It's just a couple of meetings in the beginning, just to get get moving and get the and get the business through the door. But it's like the day to day activity with your teams, where you're going to need that constant sort of like human interaction to keep people motivated and keep the goals and objectives clear, um, so that people are going to do a good job. So yeah. I totally I totally agree with that. That's more of a long term thing, and we can't just keep zooming all the time. <laughs> I think we're going to need to have that human touch um, one way or another. Yeah. Um, so look, uh, going into the another topic, which is around um, you know more what you do, Simon, um, with your business, is what are the key like warning signs that like an organisation needs help, whether it's crisis or whether it's intermediary whatever it is so what what are the key signs there for you it's when the tools that are being used or the technologies or the infrastructure that's being used within an organization is is probably hindering and, and no longer helping it's probably when the uh, amount of 
people on a network is, is too great. It's maybe that the use of the systems that worked before just aren't working the same way. And instead of it being uh, uh, an enabler, it's actually hindering, it's taking longer. Maybe mistakes are being made. Um, people are, are um, uh, not as effective because the processes aren't as, as, as effective. And things just seem to take longer than than maybe what they did or mistakes are happening data's getting lost and whereby you have a good you know a typical sign is where you have new people coming into an organization and it takes them a time or longer than what you would want or expect to understand how the business operates or what's expected and a typical sign of that is because there's no rule book and by rule book i mean policies procedures those kind of things and i'm obviously talking more from an it perspective i tend to look at it from an of it course. perspective and if you don't have those kind of rule books and they could apply to your your security strategy it could be acceptable use it could be your backup it could be recovery it could be um, asset management it could be incident management any of those kind of things where you don't necessarily know what you do in a particular situation means you don't really have a rule book and if you don't have a rule book how do you know how you're going to operate and um, obviously with the pandemic and with, with this current crisis, you would say that um, this has been a real pressure test type scenario and it's really kind of put businesses in a situation where, oh, you know, is our tech infrastructure, does it, does it meet the requirements to do business? And is it, like you said, is it, a, is it hindering us or is it actually enabling us? Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I think what a lot of organisations have found very quickly is that they've put in maybe elastoplast fixes just to get people working from home, and 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 the 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 process or processes and the ways that people are working at the moment probably are, are less than ideal, um, but they're making do, and that's obviously right. But on the other side of this, or as organizations come out the other side, the ones that haven't, as we've said before, haven't been investing or looking at it as an opportunity and, and looking at improving their systems or improving internally within the organization, whichever way that is, they'll probably find that there'll be an essence that that will need to happen as they come out the other side. And, and I suppose, you know, asking me in terms of what I do, is about trying to help businesses I suppose, understand that and make cost-effective investment decisions, whether it's in terms of implementing new technologies or systems or what have you, but getting, getting the, the, the strategy right, getting the balance right so that um, something that is inefficient or ineffective or an old system, how, what would be the right system for them and how is it going to work and how is it going to integrate with maybe other applications, other systems, other technologies or even infrastructure that... Um, uh, that they currently use and it's about looking at the integration of those things and how is it best going to support the business in terms of what the business needs moving forward and this is where the interesting thing will come in is because as businesses reflect and identify and plan ahead those business needs may well change their business plans their three to five year it'll be interesting to see how different the three to five year business plans will be um, and even if they do those maybe it'll be one to three year business plans yeah. Um, over, you know, as they're being refined maybe over the next three, six, nine months. Um, I think the business plans will be reducing to, to six months or... Tw- <laughs> six yeah, months. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and some businesses can't plan much beyond the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now. So, but, but you'd like to think, you know, looking optimistically for the future, that will change at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I do like what you mentioned around, obviously it's about technology strategy and it's about helping... SMEs and businesses make the right um, decisions 
not just from, uh, you know, what, what sort of systems are we going to use, but like investment decisions as well. Um, and an example is, you know, for our world um, in, in marketing and online and websites, uh, we often find clients, um, like we, we had a client come to us, actually two, two clients come to us over this, over this last couple of weeks and they've got a, they're on a content management website, content management system, which is now pro- proprietary based licensing. Um, and they've just updated their pricing model um, because because it's it's a pricing proprietary based software. They can dictate the pricing model whenever they want. Um, and now the pricing model is worked out that um, it's actually going to be more expensive to run that that tool or their content management system. Yeah. Um, on and then there's an annual fee. You know, there's an annual fee, and that annual fee is almost equivalent to building a new website, right? Yeah. So, and this is what, this is the thing. It's like, okay, well, it's a, it's an opportunity for people to kind of go, well, do we need a website with that sort of proprietary based content management system? Can we still achieve the same results by using an open source um, website technology, like say WordPress or whatever? And can we still achieve the same results? Yes. And can we save, you know, 10 to $15,000 a year in licenses? Yes. You know, so I think it's forcing companies to like make better decisions from an investment perspective as well, um, because it's about cutting costs, but it's it's also about achieving the same results and and cutting costs at the same time. Yeah. And and to be honest, I think it's one of the things that we mentioned earlier on. It's about value. Businesses want to make sure that that they're going to get maximum value. Um, for the money that they spend, because at the moment that that money's you know um, uh, more precious than what it was considered before, um, I, 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 and and could well be in in shorter supply. So you're absolutely right. And similarly with kind of like cloud tools is is if you put all your data into those cloud tools, if you wanted to change and pivot, can you? And how quickly can you? Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, so there's other considerations there as well. But yeah, um, I think even from a general perspective, like everyone's looking at all the costs, you know, right now. And when you get a bill um, like that sort of licensing type bill, um, you're in, in the past, you would have just paid it and just said, oh, yeah, you know, that's what we need to do, we'll pay it. But in, now people are kind of going, well, do I really need to, you know, yeah. why am I paying this? Um, is there a better way to do it? And I think that's where it comes to, you know, what you do in terms of technology strategy. It's not so much around, you know, am I using the right platform? Is it the right speed? But is it the right strategy in terms of like cost, cost efficiency and um, budgeting perspective on an annual basis? Because for me, it's sort of like, even if an organisation has $100,000 and you were to use that $100,000 of cash um, to pivot between um, technology, you know, building something and marketing, you want, you want it to be a balance, and that's what we've always been about. That's what my philosophy has been about anyway. It's yeah. about that good balance between, okay, well, we really need to build something, but we also need to leave enough budget in that $100,000, for example, to do marketing, to promote it, because there's yeah. no point just, you know, building something and then, and then leaving it there and then expecting people to just rock up. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. And you see, I always tend to look at it the other way, you see. So if people are using your services to develop or improve their sales funnels, how are they going to 
and deal with that increase in in volume or increase in growth and and this is one of the things that that i i often try and talk about is an organization's kind of capability gap and the capability gap between in terms of the growth in terms of volume of sales and and and, and revenues and how are they going to serve that growth and what systems do they need and and this is where um organizations that are, you know are startups that, that and as they go through that that maturity that that kind of curve ebbs and flows and it's about making sure that you know what i try and do is help organizations meet um the growth and, and sales volumes and to try and make sure that the combination of their technologies their their people and their processes are effective enough to meet that so i i would say if there's a hundred grand there that someone's looking at it from a uh, I, I, and they've got that kind of marketing spend or what have you, part of that's the marketing spend is, you know, what are they looking at in terms of fulfilling the need that, uh, um, fulfilling that, that kind of growth? Because it comes back to what you say, it's, it's balance. There's no point having, um, you know, a massive amount of growth if you can't serve it, but there's no point having, you know, fantastic capability if you haven't got the customers coming in. You've got um, overcapacity. There has to be balance. Yep, 100%. So that's really great, um, Simon. Um, I think that's pretty much um, all the topics that we kind of ran through today. How do our viewers sort of, um, you know, find out about you and, and, and get to you if they need to contact you? Um, oh, well, um, you can visit uh, cohesis.com.au or feel free to email me directly, um, simon.cohen at cohesis.com.au. Um, yeah. yeah. And for our viewers, it's uh, C-O-H-E-S-I-S dot com dot A-U. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Awesome. All right, Simon. Well, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks for joining us today on the Zoom call. And, um, yeah, we look, we look forward to um, um, good times ahead, I guess, for, for the economy and hopefully to pick things back up. And I think I could talk about these things forever. So uh, thanks <laughs> for inviting me. No worries, mate. All good. All good.